0: Good court. Oh! Broadcasting live from our new state-of-the-art studio in downtown Chicago, it's Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Dean. So to buy the laces. My name is Bilal Malik, and this is my co-host Trenton Sito. How are you, Trenton?
1: Bilal. I am absolutely fantastic. How oh. are you doing? <laughs> Glad to hear it. You were waiting for it, weren't you? I
0: was. I was the way you the way you introduced yourself. You were thinking it might change it up. But nope.
1: Consistency <laughs> is key. I just wanted to keep you waiting, you know. Gotta give right. a little bit of suspense to it.
0: I'm doing pretty good myself. Thank you for asking Trenton um let's get into this uh let's get into this week's show man we have a lot to uh we have a lot to cover and yeah not it's not pleasant
1: yeah you're right it was uh it was a rather interestingly (laughs) news-filled week but i mean we had this kind of week last week too but not to this uh not to this extent
0: i mean last week it broke after the show aired so we couldn't even talk about it but now Now we're getting to it. Um, John Gruden is no longer the head football coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. After resigning, after emails dating back 10 years of his have-been-made-public-knowledge, and there are not some pretty things that he said. He has insulted almost every group possible, and we'll get into this in a moment, but just your initial reaction when you heard the news.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, when they initially released the, the first statement, or the first, I guess, email, um, that was like, okay, this is, it's not good, of course, but it was just framed as this one, this one email, right? hmm And then, it's only after that when more and more of these started coming out, and then a, uh. A New York Times article that detailed, you know, all of all of the emails and their content came out. Is when,
0: yeah, um, all,
1: all of a sudden it became not just a single incident, but it became a a complete problem of just disaster. Yeah, just constant and frequent. You know, not just one time, but repeated.
0: So what happened was in the beginning here um was that an email was leaked out i believe it was friday uh, of john gruden about 10 years ago basically using racist stereotypes to um go after Demoris smith who i it was like the nfl pa pa executive and then Gruden comes out and saying he's not a racist, he's none of what said it, it was a mistake, whatever, whatever, whatever. It was then, later on, Monday, when this New York Times article that Trenton just mentioned came out saying that it wasn't just a one, one-off one occurrence. This man has <laughs> insulted and attacked multiple groups, uh, include uh, homophobic and misogynistic remarks, and on top of these racing, racist statements of Demoris Smith, and that ended up leading to his resignation as the head football coach of the Vegas Raiders. Uh, the statement, statement released saying, I resigned as head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. I love the Raiders and do not want to be a distraction. Thank you to all the players, coaches, staff, and fans of Raider Nation. I'm sorry. I never meant to hurt anyone. Well, it's too little, too late, honestly, and he's he's hurt everyone he could hurt. So.
1: Yeah, and it's it's interesting just how how these emails came about. Yes. And how they were there, how they were found out.
0: This wasn't an investigation into Jon Gruden. This was an investigation into the Washington football team. And two, because there had been a history of complaints of their workplace culture. And so the league initiated an investigation. I think they looked into um, close to 650,000 emails. And these Gruden emails came up because these me- some of these messages were sent to uh, Bruce Allen, who was the former president of the Washington football team. So if it wasn't for this investigation to Washington no one would have looked to find these Gruden emails and Gruden would still be coaching the Raiders
1: as of this week. Right. And, uh, to add to that, the NFL has continued to state that they're not going to release any more emails or reopen the investigation into the Washington football team.
0: Yeah. Um, and there's one reason th- for that because, the owner is the one who paid the bills. They're the one who control everything. So when you release this finding like that about the ownership, um, about a team, it, it won't turn out well. So, But putting it on a, on a coach is different because from my understanding is that the league wanted action to be taken, but they didn't want to be the ones to actually initiate the action they wanted to the Raiders to take action. So what they started doing is started leaking out information. And eventually, these emails got uh, s- caught up in it. And that's that's where we ended up.
1: Yeah. it's uh, It's been... It's been crazy. Just in terms of how much the entire NFL community has looked at this. But also... Of course, you're gonna get big coverage by all the news organizations. I mean, this is a this is a big issue.
0: This isn't just a football story. This right. is like everywhere. Like every major like um, news outlet, in some capacity, over the past couple of days, has been covering the story, and even reporters that you don't think of as necessarily to be. Um, sports reporters or, or broadcasters, they're in, they're covering the story. This is making, this was, uh, last night, I believe this was a talking point on, like, CNN, and then in, even in the morning shows, because it goes beyond just the football field. It goes as a representation of just, like, workplace culture, and disrespecting just people in general for, uh, um, I, it's just a, it's just a shocking revelation, and I think Aaron Rodgers put it best when he was mentioning that there's no place for this type of culture in the NFL, and looking at it, Trenton, this isn't, like, A unique occurrence, unfortunately, it just happens to be that we saw it in writing in John Gruden's emails. But just imagine ownership of some teams or just imagine executives or maybe even some coaches behind closed doors or or by themselves, what their mindset really is on people like this.
1: Right, yeah.
0: It's just that John Gruden's piece has come out, which it rightfully sh- should have, and we're not def- obviously defending him, but he's not the problem. The problem is just everyone who thinks like this. And uh, Rodgers continued to say in his statement, not in his like, because he made an appearance in the Pat McAfee show on Tuesday, and he was saying he th- he believes that the newer generation of coaches isn't. Doesn't represent what John Gruden represented. He thinks that they're more loving, caring, compassionate, progressive under basically they understand people and they want to help them Um, Just trying to dig through this New York Times article that dropped and he um, There's There's a lot to dissect in here. Um, Gruden had casually made this is a quoting from the article now. Gruden had casually and frequently unleashed misogynistic and homophobic language over several years to denigrate people around the game and to mock some of the league's momentous changes. He denounced the emergence of women as referees, the drafting of a gay player, and the tolerance of players protesting. During the playing of the national anthem. I mean, how 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 far can you go? Like, he there's no line he didn't cross. He didn't leave anyone out,
1: basically. Yeah, I mean, the the content of the emails was basically like unfiltered water cooler gossip. In oh, yeah, chatter.
0: and definitely things we cannot repeat on a live radio show at the moment. But, like, he went after Roger Goodell, he went after Jeff Fisher. He went after uh, then-President Barack Obama. He went after then-Vice President Joe Biden. He went after Eric Reed, who was a player who took a knee during the National Anthem. He... I didn't leave anyone out. And just think about this, that Carl Nassib, who this year became the first active NFL player to publicly declare that he's gay, plays for the Raiders. Now, I don't know if Gruden ever said anything to him, but now, retroactively looking at it, imagine how he feels having played under this coach. For as long as he did.
1: Yeah. I, mean it, I don't know. It's um it's definitely interesting. Uh on October tenth the Raiders well, ESPN did an article in which uh the Las Vegas Raiders players reacted to um the emails. I don't think this is to the the emails that were leaked afterwards. I think this is just the initial emails, but the players were basically saying that Greeden has never rubbed them wrong, um, you know, the people change, people grow. It was 10 years ago, um, there's another player that said, I let it go as soon as we walked out of the meeting room. I wasn't focused on that. Still not focused on it. Mm -hmm. Um, So. And then there's other players that said, you know, no comment or whatnot. So it's just. It's it's interesting. Yeah. um,
0: uh, They probably didn't want to think about it. Because, again, these are players and they have a job. to And they have to go out and win games every week. And. But I bet privately they probably did take some time to contemplate, like, is this the guy we're playing for now? And this is before, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, this is before Monday's batch of emails came out, right?
1: Uh, yes, I believe that it was.
0: Because if it was just the thing that came out on Friday, which as appalling as it was that one email where he attacked, where he basically attacked a Morris Smith, that did happen 10 years ago and we could, we all wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt that it's like, oh, maybe he did change. And, uh, and you hear Mike Tirico on Sunday night, uh, the Sunday night broadcast before the game or maybe it was halftime and talking about like how he worked with John Gruden for so many years as commentators on ESPN and how he had never heard John Gruden ever mentioned these type of statements or talk about anyone in a demeaning way and how he knows that this is obviously wrong, but in his personal experience and then Tony Dungy also mentioned uh, a similar situation how, yeah, it was just one email it happened like 10 years ago it was horrible as it is, but he apologized and we should all just start to move on this is before this whole new revelation came about and now we realize that it is a, it's a long, it was a long-term issue. And who knows if it ever stopped recently because these emails stopped. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers issued a statement saying that they basically re- are removing Gruden out of their ring of honor. And he won them their first Super Bowl in his first year as a head coach coached the team from 2002 to 2008. So
1: yeah. Although uh perhaps some may say that he won as a result of uh Tony Dungy's email after they uh were were traded. I think that was that was one of the only uh or at least one of the more recent coach coach trades.
0: Yeah, I don't uh, I don't remember any coach trade happening in recent memory.
1: But anyways, that's a that's a whole different yeah, side story. It is.
0: And so Gruden still coached this game this past Sunday against the Bears. Which how satisfies he just threatened that his last game as a head coach was a loss to the Bears.
1: And a loss to uh, Khalil Mack.
0: Oh yeah, we'll get into that in a moment. But still, so on Friday he says that he didn't remember sending this email and then his language went quote went too far. I've never had a blade of racism in me. Now, every racist who's out there always comes up with a line saying, I've never had a blade of racism in me. I'm not racist. I don't have a drop of it in... Anyway. And then it comes out Monday that Mark Davis is looking for him. And he's like, I'm out of here. <laughs> he resigns before he can get fired. Because we know it was going to happen. He was gonna be fired.
1: So Yeah, and even even if he wasn't going to, I'm sure there was a lot of pressure either from the NFL or the NFL Players Association or even fans and, you know, activists. So, I mean, I don't think there's anything that either Mark Davis or, or John Gruden could have done.
0: Oh, no, this was as soon as Monday's piece came out, he was done. It was just a matter of how it was done and when it is done. But he was done. And this broke into Monday Night Football, mind you. When does this happen where, like, Adam Schefter checks into Monday Night Football to break news? Like, that's never happened that I know of. And Gruden continued... As you read through this article, he criticizes some of the safety policies the NFL has been initiating. Like, it's all part of the evolution of the sport to make the game as safe as possible. Because we want to, uh, we want players to be healthy. We want to eliminate concussions as much as possible. And he basically says that the way. Um, league is changing, it decurs... I mean, sorry, it deters parents from wanting to put their... play their kids in... Um, to play football. And it's... Yeah, so it says that he disapproved of Goodell's emphasis on safety, which he believed was scarring parents into steering their sons away from football. I mean... Who doesn't want the game to be safer? Like what person the their right mind wants to play football that was played maybe 20, 30 years ago where no one was showing the emphasis on concussions? If you want to go that far back, let's go back to when we played with leather helmets. Uh, I mean, the whole point of the game is to make it safer over time. I don't know how any one person could be against that. Like every year, that we need to make changes based off of the new data we learn and the new information we gather. And continuing on from that, there were he was saying, um, in the uh, this continues in the article saying that's in twenty seventeen. Gruden sent uh, an article about the NFL players calling on Goodell to support their efforts promoting racial equality and criminal justice reform. And Gruden had advice for Goodell. Quote, he needs to hide in his concussion protocol tent. How does one write this thing? I still don't get it. And I've read this article maybe two or three times now. And I just, it's, it's. It's baffling.
1: Yeah. It's uh yeah, it's a it's a tough article to read.
0: It's only gonna be interesting to see now, Trenton, is where where we go from here. Like, do we get the rest of these emails? Because again, this was an investigation in Washington. This was not an original investigation into yeah. John Gruden. He just got himself caught up in the whole ...situation because of the emails he was sending to uh, Bruce Allen.
1: Yeah, and I mean, speaking of, you said Adam Schefter before, did you see earlier today that news also broke on on him as well? Um, And that as part of the 650,000 emails from that investigation um they found that adam schefter had also emailed uh bruce allen and he sent a raw unpublished story to bruce allen asking if there was anything in there that needed changing needed to be added or needed to be tweaked and he called bruce allen mr editor and (laughs) according well of course, to, to you and, well, at least to me and maybe you, uh, as non-journalism majors,
0: But well, we still know enough about like, how things work.
1: Right. It seems like it's not a big issue, but in the journalism process and independent re- reporting, it's a uh-huh. big breach of ethical standards in that, you know, it's, it potentially adds bias. Yeah. It can shift the story. But look
0: at it. I uh, oh, you continue on
1: the no. Um, it's just... Basically, it's considered a major, major no in the journalism industry.
0: Yeah. But at the same time, I think the sports journalism world is a little different than if you were, like, covering the p- politics and the president or something. Like, look at the major NFL insiders for these networks, Right. We had Ian Rappaport for the NFL Network and we got Adam Schefter for ESPN. That's basically it, the top people. And there's got to be some connection, some really close bonding connection between these insiders and the players and coaches and s- executives that they cover, which obviously I don't really agree. I don't agree with what Schefter did, but if you wanted more information... I mean, you get why he did it, right? And Schefter is also probably the most respected, one of the most respected people in in the football world. So there's a gray area here with when it comes to sports journalism and these things because these guys do develop deep connections with players on a friendship level and as their sources and information because it's a small world. So but
1: uh when did this happen this was uh 2011 during the the lockout
0: the lockout was also a troubling time for everyone trying to get information on what's going on but yeah um 2011 this is again 10 years ago so it was n- it's nothing on the level what John Gruden did whatsoever so i think uh there's not much to worry about and adam schefter's gone on to have a great career so far and we've gotten nothing bad about him to talk about so far hopefully nothing Gruden level comes out of like there's 650,000 emails what could we find from this and it's not we have barely touched the surface of what could be in these emails so it's just there's so much to cover especially with Gruden news here and We've only touched the surface, but we have to continue on with the rest of the show because I am not making this show all about John Gruden today. Too much attention. So, um, Trenton, yes, Wildcard Weekend has uh, been reformatted,
1: so Super to speak. Super Wildcard Weekend.
0: <laughs> Last year, we and we added a two new games, two new games, right, with the seven seed. Uh yes, I believe so. Yeah. First round first seed gets a bye, then the remaining six teams play. So now we have a new Monday night football wild card game. And I quite honestly have no idea how I feel about this because it's a playoff game. You're supposed to give everyone as equal opportunity as you can. But now a team is playing on Monday and I don't know. It's just another money-making ploy, I'd say.
1: Yeah, they want another day of football.
0: I mean, as a fan, I'm not opposed to it. And this is a five-year deal that ESPN has announced. Um, They will be hosting the finale of Super Wild Card Weekend for the next five years, starting this season, January seventeenth, 2022. But, so this is how the Wild Card Weekend will shape up. Two games on Saturday. Three on Sunday, and then a Monday night game. But just imagine being that team that's on Monday night, and you win the game, and now you have to either play on a Saturday or a Sunday. Most likely, I'd say they're playing on a Sunday because putting them on a Saturday, is, that's like a really cruel.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that.
0: But still, you have Monday night games every week, and it's a short week because you're missing that one day. So it, it'll, I don't know. Um, the broadcast will include the traditional telecast of the standard Monday night on ESPN, but they will also have Monday night football with Peyton and Eli. Oh yes, the Manning brothers are back, Trenton, and it'll be interesting to see how they tackle a playoff game. We've liked what they've done so far, so.
1: Yeah, and I think, uh, I mean, playoff football, I think they'll have a lot to say. Both of them have extensive experience in that field.
0: Yes, they do. And if you made it to the playoffs, then you deserve to be there. So, all right, moving
1: on. Moving on. All right, Bilal, why don't we uh, shake things up a little bit? We started the episode on a little bit of a somber and serious note, but why don't we uh, kick it loose a bit? What do you say? Talking about kicking? Oh, yes. Talking about kicking. All Um, right. First, we're going to punt it off with the punters. Blau, what do you do when your punt gets blocked?
0: I punt it again.
1: You punt it again, and that's exactly what Michael Dixon did with the Seahawks, in which his first attempt at a punt was blocked, and then he picked it up, ran with it for a little bit, and thought, you know what? I'm just going to kick it again, much to the shock of... Uh, audiences everywhere, and the TV announcers. Because <laughs> nobody knew you yeah. could do that. Um, I mean, I remember from the broadcast, uh, the announcers were like, you know, this is definitely de- definitely coming back. You know, This, this is a this nice play, but yeah, yeah, it's coming back. There's no way it's legal. And then, all of a sudden, the uh, officials said, okay, yeah, it's legal. And everyone's like, dead silent.
0: <laughs> it's like,
1: <laughs> is this possible?
0: What are we doing?
1: Yeah, so... I mean, Pat McAfee went crazy about that punt, obviously, as uh, being a former punter himself. Punters are people, too. Indeed. And uh, if you are the Texans and you get your punt blocked, or if you are the Texans and you're trying to do a punt instead of running an actual punt, first you're going to line up for a fake punt. And then when you actually try to punt, then you're going to drill your own player in the back of the head with a 60 to 7 mile per hour kick for a punt of a net 0 yards. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yep. And then uh you proceed to choke away a 22 to 9 lead in the third quarter, but that's a completely different story. <laughs>
0: uh, that just sums up Houston right there in a sentence.
1: Yep. Uh and that was a uh that was a sort of revenge game as well. That was uh a lot of people from the Patriots coming from that game. Now with the Texans and uh, Bill Belichick gets his revenge on Jack Easterby.
0: <laughs> Couldn't get his revenge on Tom Brady, so he got it on.
1: Yeah, for Trenton's for Jack favorite Easterby. executive
0: of the <laughs> year. <laughs> As for anyone who doesn't know, Trenton has been working hard on a new book about the Houston Texans' troubles. It'll be out in the next thirty years at some point. <laughs> Because the Texans keep making mistakes, so Trenton has to keep rewriting the book.
1: (laughs) Yes, it's on, uh, volume 15 at the moment. (laughs) All right, uh, let's keep it with the kicking. We'll go to the kickers. The Falcons had a, uh, little mishap. They forgot their kicking net. So instead, they figured it out like an underfunded peewee team, and they used two step ladders and a go-net instead to practice their kicking. It's
0: called using your resources. I yeah. They made it all the way to London, and then forget their kicking net.
1: Yes, the show must go on.
0: But wait. Aren't they usually there for like a whole week?
1: Yeah, I mean... I'm so what
0: have they been using in practice or I something? I
1: don't know. I mean what you? I guess... Uh, do they have Amazon? They they could have gotten Amazon Prime, you know, free two day shipping. If Jeff Bezos is listening, <laughs> he should probably start uh, <laughs> trying to figure that out. Yeah, send over a, a kicking net quick, um, and then a game that we we might cover this a little bit later. It's a uh, Packers Bengals, and it was a it was a comedy of errors with many missed kicks. Um, oh, I'll that's an
0: understatement.
1: Yeah. Uh, so we'll just set a little background here. Three minutes left in the fourth quarter. Scores tied at 22-22. Mason Crosby for the Packers. Wide left from 36. Evan McPherson for the Bengals. Doinks from the right from 57. Mason Crosby attempts again. Wide left from 51. And then in overtime, Joe Burrow throws a pick on his first play. Mason Crosby, wide left from 40. Evan McPherson, wide left from 49. And finally, facing Crosby is like okay I'm done with this and he finally kicks dead center from 49 to win the game. It's uh it's not ideal <laughs> of course to miss that many. Um, I
0: don't think it's ideal to miss any. <laughs>
1: that's a good point. So uh
0: but just this, the anxiety level for those teams Oh yeah. For those fans I mean I obviously wanted the Packers to win. No, I didn't. Why I said that, I don't know. I wanted them to lose. <laughs> Weird, I meant I wanted the Bengals to win. Clear that up. It's the beauty of live broadcasting. I can't edit that out anymore. <laughs> they used to be able to do that when it was just a podcast. But um, backtrack. I wanted the Packers to lose, Bengals to win, and it really looked like they were gonna do it. Like the Bengals. Talking about in a minute. But they played well. Joe Burrow played well, and they really um, stuffed Aaron Rodgers at times. But then, of course, it comes down to Mason Crosby.
1: Mm-hmm. Who has? he Was it last year or the year before that he had a stretch where he was just not kicking well at all? But they kept with him, and eventually That's he That's happened a groove. couple
0: times in his career, I believe. Yeah. And seems like the guy has just been around forever, so... Mm-hmm.
1: So, hopefully uh, hopefully this final kick was able to boost his confidence level. Or you could say kick his confidence I level hope up d- a notch. I,
0: I hope it doesn't. <laughs> I hope it <laughs> declines uh, like the Houston Texans. Oh, no. Not, not to that level. Like hopefully. John Gruden. Because, <laughs> um. again, I, we're pl- <laughs> the Bears are playing the Packers this week. So, we don't need Mason Crosby to make a game-winning field goal anytime.
1: But... Uh, Which is true. Uh, And then keeping on with a little bit of Houston, Texas news, uh, they released Anthony Miller, who is, of course, a former Bears wide receiver. Oh, I wonder why. (laughs) No idea. But he left uh, quite possibly what I believe to be one of the worst teams of the NFL at the moment, only to potentially be signing with the one team that is somehow worse, the Jaguars. But the Steelers have lost Juju Smith-Schuster for a little bit with uh, shoulder surgery. Probably out for the season, actually. So Anthony Miller has signed with the Steelers practice squad instead. So he's finally landed somewhere. A little bit better for him, perhaps.
0: He'll find a way to punch his way out of there. So.
1: Oh, and you mentioned punching. Are you ready for the stat line of the week? Bring it on. Wide receiver for the New York Giants, Kadarius Tony, Rookie, I might say. He is... Uh, very elusive, very quick, and he had a very great stat line this past week: thirteen targets, ten receptions, one hundred and eighty-nine yards, one punch, one ejection.
0: Can you can you have more than one ejection in the game?
1: Uh, I don't believe so. But I'll tell you what: if you do manage that, you will be a legend.
0: Trying to figure that out. Like, let's see. All right. And there's the Giants who are going through some injuries too.
1: Yeah, the Giants are uh not looking so good right now. Saquon Barkley, after a play was over, didn't see where he was walking and rode his ankle. When you looked at the replay, it looked awful and uh,
0: anyone anyone who ever looks at our note sheet and the way Trenton writes these notes, it always um
1: cranks me up. <laughs> It's uh, it's just a, a very accurate representation of what happened. But um, this is
0: how he's written it: Saquon Barkley doesn't see where he's walking and rolls his ankle, close I mean to the size of an apple, likely to miss two to four weeks.
1: I mean, that's uh, that's exactly what happened. That's all the details you need. <laughs> um, and also Daniel Jones suffered a concussion in that game, which is, of course, not good. Afterwards, when he got up, he was. Definitely wobbly. Somebody definitely need to stop him and sit him down. And luckily, Jaron Curse, Kurse, who is from the Cowboys, uh, did not hesitate in running towards Daniel Jones and keeping him from falling before even his own players or trainers could get to him. So shout out to Jaron Curse. Kurse. That's for, called sportsmanship right yeah, there. For seeing yeah, another player, an, an opponent, in in danger and making sure that that he's all right so shout out to him for that and uh keeping up finishing up with the injury news Juju Smith-Schuster shoulder surgery gonna be out for the season Joe Burrow had a possible throat contusion that he was in the hospital for and they're on they put him on quote voice rest at the moment so he's not talking and they're working on a silent count for him against the Lions Tom Brady's on the injury port not for old age, but for a slightly injured thumb on his throwing hand, but he said it's mostly discomfort, not really serious, and he says he's had worse injuries. Speaking of uh, injuries on some other fingers, Russell Wilson is going to be out for about a month with a, uh, a dislocated finger, I believe. It was did not look pretty in-game, and Jared Goff is also suffering a uh, finger injury. Was it Jared Goff or was it Matthew Stafford? I don't think it was Matthew Stafford. It was Matthew Stafford, yeah. So <laughs> wrong quarterback. Um, <laughs> Justin Fields, hyperextended his left knee, but it is believed that he will be good to play against the Packers. And Trey Lance has a left knee sprain. He is currently weak to weak. Uh, his status is unknown at the moment, which is not good given Jim Garoppolo is also out. And finally, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, my favorite running back, has a MCL sprain, and he's going to be out for a few weeks. And that just about wraps
0: up the injuries. It's a lot of injuries this week.
1: Yeah, and definitely a lot of quarterbacks injured as well. Yes, sir.
0: Moving on to power rankings, we have a new number one team for this week on the NFL.com power rankings, starting off with the Buffalo Bills, moving up two spots to number one, previously number three. Arizona, the undefeated Cardinals, have dropped one spot to number two. Tampa Bay Buccaneers have moved down one spot to number three. Dallas Cowboys up two spots from six to four. Los Angeles Chargers up two spots from seven to five. Green Bay Packers down two spots from number four to six. Baltimore Ravens down two spots from five to seven. Rams up one spot from nine to eight. And Cleveland Browns up one spot from ten to nine, and the Kansas City Chiefs rounding out the top ten, with n- dropping from number eight to number ten.
1: Yeah, it's uh, a lot of little moves in the top ten, which is, I suppose, good to see. Just because that means, you know, it's starting to stabilize uh-huh. a little bit. Um, these are good. These are the the top teams, at least at the moment, and possibly for the foreseeable future because and it, it has stabilized. it's interesting
0: to see, oh sorry about cutting you off, um, but it's interesting to see um, how these teams end up, like, winning games at times, still drop a one or two spots, but they still, like you said, are in the roughly, like, I don't believe this top 10 has really changed at all the past few weeks. Um Looking at the Saints though, at number eleven right there, right on the edge here, they moved up eight spots from number nineteen to eleven, and they're—I mean—the Saints are sitting at three and two. So, five games in without Drew Brees, Jameis Winston steadying the ship at three and two. So,
1: although although you could say you got the entire uh, Jameis Winston experience in this past game, he was—he he threw a a deep deep touchdown pass, I believe, and then after that he threw. A typical Jameis Winston interception, and then he had a fumble, and that was all in, like, the first quarter or the first half. (laughs) It's
0: an all-for-one experience (laughs)
1: right there. Right? It's a whole roller coaster.
0: The Titans moved up six spots from number 18 to 12. And any other major movements? Ah, the Raiders dropped seven spots from number 11 to seven. I wonder why. number 11 to 18. I, I don't know why that happened.
1: Oh, I think I think I know why actually.
0: Oh, you do? Okay. <laughs> I don't think they take that into consideration when they make the rankings. But maybe they do, what do I know?
1: Perhaps. Uh and then I guess another big shift is that the Seahawks dropped from number twelve down nine spots to twenty one, which is likely because Russell Wilson's gonna be out for about a month.
0: And I could see them dropping even more over time. Hey, but the Bears moved up six spots from number 29 to number 23. And I think we're making our way up there, Triton.
1: Yeah, slowly, slowly, slowly. How about we take a little look at the bottom of the list, see if there's any big changes. Whoa.
0: The Texans.
1: The Texans.
0: The Texans have moved up two spots from yes. number 32 to number 30.
1: You know why? Why? It's because... The Terod Taylor curse is continuing because in that game against the Patriots, rookie quarterback Davis Mills looked like a superstar.
0: Yeah, but he couldn't win the game. So.
1: Yeah, but that's not a that's not a sentence I thought I would say.
0: <laughs> hey, and the Jacksonville Jaguars have found themselves back at number thirty-two, dropping two spots from number thirty to thirty-two.
1: Yes, it's, uh, well, they spent most of last season at that spot. Or was it the Lions? Might have been both. <laughs> not going to lie. Yeah.
0: Jacksonville has not won a game since last year's season opener.
1: I I thought I saw a stat somewhere that they haven't won a game since they had uh, Gardner Minshew.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think that's true. Uh, I mean, it's not like they haven't lost 20 games in a row, which is the longest streak since 1977. Moving on to quarterback indexes. Tom Brady has moved up this week to number one, the GOAT, up three spots. Justin Herbert right behind him at number two, up three spots. Dak Prescott dropping down one spot to number three. Lamar Jackson up two spots to number four. Kyler Murray down four spots to number five. Patrick Mahomes dropping three spots to six. Derek Carr steady at seven. Josh Allen up three spots to eight. Russell Wilson steady at nine. And then Rodgers rounding out the top ten at number ten.
1: Yeah, it's... Uh it's a pretty loaded top 10. There's a lot of...
0: This is going to change, though, I feel. Russell's going right. to be... Uh, with uh, with him being out for as long as he's going to be out, I don't think he's going to be a number 9. Uh, He'll probably be off the list for some time, and Geno's going to come on because they only rank the starting quarterbacks. So
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So this top 10 might change a little. Some people who are at the bubble here might make it... Um, into the top Uh, we got Matt Ryan sitting at 16 we have Daniel Jones dropping 4 spots to number 18 no major changes here I mean Jameis is at 21 Sam Darnold dropped 5 spots to 22 um Zach Wilson is number 32 so
1: Yeah, it has been a good season for Wilson. For Zach Wilson, I should say. The the younger Wilson.
0: I mean, it is the New York Jets, so... That's all I can leave it at that. (laughs) So, we got some games to cover?
1: Yeah, we had a lot of exciting games this week.
0: What's the first one up on the docket?
1: First one up is the Browns and Chargers game, in which... The Browns became the first team in the Super Bowl era to score 40 points in a game, not have any turnovers, and still manage to lose. Which is, if that's not the most Browns thing I've seen, then I don't know what is.
0: I mean, the Chargers only did score 26 points in the fourth quarter, so...
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy, isn't it?
0: Like... You can play as good as you want but if your team allows more points to the other team then you're going to lose that's just how it works
1: yeah that's uh you know football is about one thing and one thing only if you score more points than the other team you win exactly (laughs)
0: who cares how many yards you throw how many touchdowns you throw how many yards you rush how many sacks you get in the end (laughs) all that matters in this business is wins and losses
1: oh that was the most booger mcfarland quote i've ever made <laughs> <laughs>
0: booger will be proud
1: yeah um and this this was a crazy game in which you know baker mayfield did pretty well 23 of 32 305 yards two touchdowns zero interceptions but the run game nick chubb 21 carries 161 yards one touchdown kareem hunt 12 carries 61 yards touchdowns. And on the other side, the Chargers, they were not running much, but Justin Herbert, 26 of 43, 398 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. I mean, one team runs, one team passes, both teams score.
0: Exactly. look at these teams, I don't know, let's say maybe four years ago, five years ago, they would not be scoring 42 and 47 points respectively. It's like Brown scored forty-two points. Like just a few years ago, this team went one in fifteen and zero and sixteen, and it's like, how did this happen?
1: Yeah, it's uh it's Kevin Stefanski. That's all I can say.
0: <laughs> yeah, I agree. All right, I think they finally found their head coach of the future.
1: And uh, moving on to another game that was kind of a. A surprise, we thought this game might have been the big scoring affair, but instead it uh, it was for one side. Buffalo Bills, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I believe you chose the Bills, I chose the Chiefs, so props to you on that. Oh, thank you very much. Buffalo Bills, 38, Kansas City Chiefs, 20. The Kansas City Chiefs offense was basically dinking and dunking the entire game. No big plays that they're known for. And their defense just got absolutely shredded.
0: I mean, what's happened to the Chiefs?
1: It's here's an interesting stat that I found from next gen stats in that the Bills blitzed Patrick Mahomes on zero out of his fifty six dropbacks. And this is exactly what the Bucks did to him in the Super Bowl that they lost uh, last season in well which they're only they,
0: teams know that if they started blitzing Mahomes, Mahomes It's not that dumb. He's going to recognize it, and he's going to get out of that situation. And when Mahomes is on the move, like, that, that's when he's made his more um, crazy uh, plays. But, like, they've been turning the ball over. Mahomes threw interceptions. Um, Two interceptions Mahomes threw, while Josh Allen throws none.
1: And I believe he had a, a fumble as well, Mahomes
0: may he may as well have I don't I don't have a stat line in front of me for that but just I keep going back to this one point my my sister made one so we were watching preseason this year and I think the Chiefs were on and she's basically given these she loves to make hot takes like these but she said this is not the Chiefs year. like they're not and I've been through five games they're two and three. When was the last time you saw the Chiefs two and three?
1: Yeah, it's uh, I believe they're, d- I think they're at the bottom of the, the AFC West at the moment. Yeah, which the is crazy. Broncos are better than them.
0: Right. And it's like, so far they are living up to what she said earlier that they're, that the, this is not the, this does not look like the Chiefs' year. Now we don't know if there are injuries involved or just. Maybe after two or three years of seeing the same thing over and over again with Mahomes, teams have figured him out, or maybe not to say this is the case, but Mahomes got his extension, and now it's like,
1: here we go. Yep, and uh, my well last. maybe
0: it's just that the Bills are just this, this, this good. It could be we just underestimated them, underestimated them for so long now they're just making their leap sorry i I cut you off no
1: no worries Uh, i just wanted to say my last point on this is micah hyde the safety for the bills giving a shout out to mitchell Trubisky for saying that he was giving them good looks posing as mahomes on the scout team uh and if that's not the funniest thing i've ever seen (laughs) about mitchell Trubisky, then i don't know what is
0: well at least he's found a place on his t- on his new team where he can find a role to be effective. And based off the way the Bills have been playing these past few games, he ends up playing uh, like the end of the game anyway because they're such big blowouts. Mm-hmm. So good for Trubisky. Gotta shout out the the old quarterback when something comes up.
1: So. The MVP.
0: <laughs> oh, actually, did you see that uh, Dak Prescott
1: also got the MVP? I I thought I did see something, but there was no slime or something. No,
0: it was just a trophy.
1: Ah, it's unfortunate. Yeah, we'll we right. see who gets
0: that next time. Yep. All right, Trent. The Bears are three and two. Yep. We've won two games in a row.
1: You know who else is three and two? David Montgomery. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I
0: was not expecting that. Thing.
1: But they were without David Montgomery in this game, sadly. But that did
0: not hamper the run game at all.
1: Nope. Khalil Herbert and Damian Williams more than handled it. Uh, Khalil Herbert had a 4.2-yard average. Damian Williams had a 4-yard average. So they did do pretty well.
0: Yeah, Herbert also ran 75 yards, Williams 64 yards, and Fields had 4 yards on his own. So, like, that's a... A pretty nice running game and I like I like where this team is going I like we don't need to be the most flashiest offense we don't need to be putting up a thousand points every game as long as we stack these wins I mean three and two is a good place to be in after five weeks honestly like with the amount of changes that this team has gone through the difficulty The Browns game that we played, which was like depressing to watch. Mm -hmm. I like this team. Great defense. Leading the league in sacks with 18 sacks. Sean Desai, man. Sean Desai. I mean, anything can happen in Chicago in terms on the offensive side of the ball. But one thing, no matter who's the coordinator or who the players are, Chicago has always had a good defense. And a rookie quarterback, they always say this, a rookie quarterback's best friend is a good running game and a good defense. We have a good running game, and we have a really good defense.
1: Yeah, and uh, we need that because Justin Fields was just getting battered in this game against the Raiders. It he got
0: better as time progressed, but mm-hmm. yes, he was. And the Raiders were being aggressive, and that came back to bite them. A couple times because of rushing the passer penalties because mm-hmm. they felt it was a little too aggressive, but and then it helps with his development, right? If he's not doesn't have to be the guy at every time. If you can, if you make a mistake, you can trust that your defense will probably bail you out. It's a very beneficial thing.
1: Yeah, and uh, a little bit towards the end of the game, the offense slowed down a little bit. The defense started letting up a little bit, but in the fourth quarter. Both of them came up clutch. Two field goals by Chicago to salt the game away, and the uh, the defense forced a turnover on downs as well. So Cairo Santos, mm-hmm. the kicker, who
0: w- I mean, we have a kicker. After yes. after going a couple of years after Robbie Gold leaves to not be able to find a good kicker, I think we've done it. We found a good, reliable kicker.
1: Yes and and thank goodness for that. <laughs>
0: Cuz it's coming it's coming very beneficial over time. But this was a good team win. Um everyone did their job. And it's going to be interesting to see where this goes from here. We got Packers coming up this week and I think this defense is get hitting their stride at the right time. Again, like I said, 18 sacks. Five sacks for Mac, four and a half sacks for Robert Quinn. Imagine those guys coming in on the edge, hitting Aaron Rodgers, disrupting the pass rush. It's going to be um, a good game to watch. And I really think that this defense can hold their own against the Packers.
1: Yep. All right. Well, I think that just about does it for our coverage of games. So why don't we pick next week's games? How are we doing in our picks?
0: Um... Trenton has is running away with this thing. Like, last year must have really hit him hard.
1: Uh, yeah, uh, I, I couldn't sleep anymore. I was thinking about uh, it so much.
0: Trenton is g- finished out last week. Um, actually, Sorry, he finished out the overall season so far at 57-23, while I am at 50-30. and and so Trenton is comi- coming into week six with a 7.7-game 7. 7 lead. So I got some work to do. So who are you taking with the Buccaneers a- at the Eagles?
1: Ooh, Buccaneers, Eagles. I'm going to take the Bucks here.
0: Bucks as well. Dolphins at Jaguars. Ooh, I'm going to take the Dolphins. Dolphins too. I don't see the Jaguars winning a game anytime soon. Chiefs in Washington.
1: Going to take the Chiefs here.
0: Chiefs. Rams at Giants. Rams. Rams. Texans at Colts.
1: I'm gonna take the Colts. Colts. Bengals at Lions. Uh you know, initially I wanted to take the Bengals. I think I'm gonna change it now. I'm gonna take the Lions. They get their first win.
0: (laughs) Oh, I'm taking the Bengals. I need this is gonna be one of those games that helps me close the gap. Packers at Bears.
1: Gonna take the Bears here.
0: Same here. Bears. Chargers at Ravens. I'm
1: going to take the Chargers.
0: Uh, Same here. Trenton, can we pick some games that are not the same? I need to
1: close (laughs) this gap. Can't help it when all of these uh, matchups are so lopsided.
0: Yeah, it's true. Vikings and Panthers.
1: I'm going to take the Panthers. Panthers.
0: Cardinals at Browns? Cardinals. Undefeated. Cardinals. Raiders or Broncos? Broncos. Broncos. (laughs) The Raiders have too many issues. Cowboys and Patriots?
1: Cowboys. Cowboys.
0: Seahawks at Steelers.
1: Got to take the Steelers here.
0: Steelers as well. No Russell Wilson. And I think the Steelers are a better team right now. Mm-hmm. Bills at Titans.
1: Going to take the Bills.
0: Oh, come on. Bills. <laughs> One game is the difference maker One here. Game. Bengals <laughs> at Lions. I'm counting the Lions because, hey, the. if nothing changes in the rankings and I'm down by another game, at least it's not like... Ten games, but That's
1: true. I thought this was
0: going to be a week where I could make some ground. <laughs> and for anyone listening, we do not um, confer when we make these picks. We make them separately, and we then share it on the show. So uh, it just happened to be all but one or the same this week. So
1: Yeah, which has, has not been the case in uh, previous weeks.
0: No, it has not. So I think that does it. We had a jam-packed show and a lot to cover. And there's probably going to be more to cover leading into next week. But uh, thank you for listening to Buy the Laces. We'll be back next week with another episode. If anyone missed any part of the live recording of the show, the episode will still be up in its podcast form soon, as it has been for months. And we hope you have a great rest of your week. Don't forget to follow us at and to Bill Malick fifteen and Trenton underscore Cito. Please stay safe and enjoy another week of football.
1: This week's punting story is going to be three punters on the field at the same time.
0: state-of-the-art studio in downtown Chicago, it's Radio DePaul
1: Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Devils.